Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. After one of our services, I, I typically am all wet and lathered and sweating and losing my voice and all that kind of stuff because I work pretty hard. I've, I brought this table out and put a chair because I'm going to sit down to remind me I'm not supposed to preach this morning. I'm supposed to talk. And I don't know if I can pull that off or not, but we'll see. So I, I don't know if I can stay seated in this thing or not, but we're going to do it. Today um, is a special Sunday. I, I've told the worship team, I sent out an email to all of you to remind you to be here this morning because... Uh, I really sense and believe that uh, this morning, if you will, is one of the most significant moments. Not it is in our history too, but I want you to understand. I'm looking forward. It it is one I believe going to be one of the most significant moments in our future. And so I want you to listen this morning. I I, I want to tell you this morning that um, I'm going to talk to us about us corporately. We're going to talk about where we're headed and what God is saying to us and the steps that we have to take to get to our destiny. I, I, I just want to give you a clue going in that I'm not going to make personal application. I expect you to be a self-feeder this morning because everything that I'm going to say about us corporately has implications for you individually and you have to walk out these things in your personal life to fulfill the destiny or the promise that God has for you individually, but I'm not going to make that application. You're going to have to do that on your own. That requires you to grow up a little bit spiritually and quit expecting the pastor to spoon feed you. You've got to make personal application. That's why I can go to any service in any church in America, and if they're preaching the word, I can make application to myself because I'm trying to grow myself. And so I encourage you to join me there this morning. I want you, if you will, um, to turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. And we're going to start there, and I want to read several uh, passages of Scripture out of Genesis, and then in one in Hebrews, and then I'm just going to try to talk to you. Uh, I would call it a conversation, but I don't know if, uh, if a one-sided conversation is really a conversation. I, you know, y'all been in those. Those aren't really conversations. They just, okay, good. I, I just want to make sure you've been in one of those. But I, I, you may not get a chance to talk back, but I do want to just talk to you this morning. Genesis chapter 11, beginning in verse 31. It says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. And let me stop right there and say, if it, I hope you already know this. I think everybody in here probably does. Canaan is promised land. That is the, that is the destiny. That is the promise. That is the inheritance that God is giving to Abraham it says they leave there and they head to Canaan but listen what happens but when they come to Haran they settled there then it says this in verse 32 Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran now I want to stop right there and give you a little bit a little bit of background because this is crucial to understand that from where they lived to where they were going which is the land of Canaan was approximately a thousand miles which I can't even comprehend traveling a thousand miles on foot, but that and camels and donkeys talk about unable to sit down. They couldn't sit down. I mean, it's a rough journey. But Haran was approximately five hundred miles into the journey. They stopped and they settled there. Okay, I'll come back to that in a minute. Genesis chapter twelve, verse one. 
Then it says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Verse 4. So Abram left as the Lord had told him and Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan. And they, I love this little caveat, and they arrived there. I'll come back to that too. And then in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8, when we begin to talk about Abraham's journey, this is typically where we turn. We don't always go back and get the backdrop from Genesis. What we do is we skip forward to Hebrews, to the chapter of the heroes of the faith, and we read this. By faith, in verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go up to a place, he would later receive his hair in his Start over. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. All right, so let's talk about us. The first thing I would say to you is this. Abraham received a promise. You know the story. He has this encounter with God, and God says, look, I'm going to give you a promised land, Canaan. That is your promise. You will be a nation that is blessed out of you. I will create a nation that is more uh, numerous than the stars, the sands of the sea. All of that was the promise. And what I want to say to you this morning is this. I, I, I need you to understand this. This is the premise that we have to operate from is that as a body, corporately, as Passion Church, we have received a promise. If if you don't come to that conclusion, hear me this morning. If you're not aware of the fact that we are living in, operating in, walking in, pursuing a promise from God, then we are done. We are stymied. We are stuck. We will go no further than what we've already come because if you don't understand individually about us corporately, that God has spoken into this body a promise, an inheritance, a destiny, a purpose for existing, then you are basically causing us to come to a complete and total standstill. Listen to me. I wrote this down and I believe this to be true. We will stop at the level of your belief about this church. Your belief. Now, I understand I have a, a role to play. I'm the leader. I understand that God has laid on me a mandate to, to lead and guide and direct. But how many of you know that there are pastors all over America that have great visions, great, great ideas, great concepts, and they're pressing and pressing and pressing, but the people sit down on him and they don't go anywhere? Are y'all been, have any, has anybody been, been in one of those churches or been a, exposed to one of the churches where you go and you meet the pastor and you go, Good gracious, he's a man of vision. He's preaching his guts out. He knows where God wants to take them. He's pursuing, but they never go anywhere. It's not because of lack of vision in his heart. It's because the people have quit believing about the promise, and they come to a complete and total standstill. So our journey will be dictated and stopped by your belief about our body. It's not just about my belief. I can believe all day long. But unless we're in this together, unless we're walking in this together, and unless we're pursuing our promise together, we will come to a screeching halt. And so you've got to know that God has more for us. That is essential because 
what, where we're headed, it's going to take all of us, every one of us, because the Bible says that he fits us jointly together. Every, part, every one of you is an essential part of the body. And for us to get to where God is going to take us, we all have to be on the same page. And we all have to be in lockstep and headed in the same direction. Everybody with me so far? We have a promise. So you got to know in your knower that you are part of something great here. You've got to know in your knower that we are not interested in just establishing another church. If this is just another church, then we don't understand the promise. If this is just another um, uh, status quo body sitting in Oklahoma City, not fulfilling its vision, not fulfilling its promise, not fulfilling its purpose, then we're wasting our time. you got to know in your knower. Because if you know in your knower, that will dictate how you attend. I said I wasn't going to preach. That will, attend, that, will, that will dictate how you behave. That will dictate how excited you are about telling other people about this body. That will dictate your attitude towards this body. That will dictate everything. If you know in your knower that God has a promise, a destiny, a plan, a purpose here, that will change everything in your mentality about being here and being a part. You've got to know that we are on a journey. If, if you haven't been here long enough, let me just tell you, we are on a journey to establish a church unlike any church you've ever been a part of. I know there are parts of our church that are like other churches. Uh, I, I understand that we do some of the same things that other churches do, but you've got to understand that part of our destiny and part of our promise is that God is establishing a church here that is going to be built His way. That he has the right, the rule, and the reign, and the authority to change everything if he wants to and to dictate how we do what we do. We're not going to do church like you've always done it. We're not going to do it the same method you've always used. There are going to be aspects and things that we do that you may not be comfortable with, but that's part of the promised land that God has called us to. We're going to build a church that is not interested in positions, that is not interested in titles, that is not following the religious trends, that is not relig uh, caught up in religious games. We are interested and we are promised to build and establish a church that is built God's way on God's rule to bring glory and honor to God. That is our journey. And as a part of that, our promise is lived out in the three E's. And, and we haven't said these in a while, but I don't want you to forget them. They're always in your worship program. We've posted them around the building so you won't forget. We are about doing three things. This is the promised land that God has established for us. Number one, we will encounter God. If we don't do anything else, we have to have a face-to-face -face -face encounter with God on a weekly basis. We get our hands up. That's why you can't come in here and play church. That's why you can't wait to get here to get ready to worship. you got to prepare days before for what's going to happen on Sunday morning so that you can encounter God. I got one that's good and one that's right. If you wait until you bust the door open at 9.15 and hoping our worship team can wake you up and get you stirred up enough to finally on the last course of the last song, now I'm going to encounter God too late. You should have been ready on Saturday. Listen, I prepare a week ahead at least and sometimes months ahead 
for what I'm going to talk to you about. Usually it's months ahead, by the way. So I expect you to at least prepare a day ahead for worship. Ah, y'all ain't listening to me. That means on Saturday night you can't stay up until 4 o'clock in the morning and roll in here half asleep and expect us to get anywhere. Because, see, some, listen, I, I didn't even, this is in my notes, and, and that's all right. I'm just following the Holy Spirit here. People you're in contact with when you come into this room, their victory may be wrapped up in your praise, and if your praise is hung over, or half asleep, or halfway done, or refuse to do it because you're so exhausted from what you did all week long and you didn't reserve nothing for God, then, then we are in trouble. Our first goal, our first promise, our first step in our destiny is to encounter God. And then the second step is we've got to become equipped, which means you have to grow. We've given you avenues to do that. You're supposed to be reading the Word every day for four minutes at least. If you're not doing that, you're shrinking. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no way to grow apart from His Word. I, I can never give you enough Word on Sunday to grow you enough to last you all week because manna only lasts for one day. And so, therefore, it is imperative that you open your Bible and read four minutes at least a day. We've made it so simple. We've given you a version that's easy to understand. You don't have to go dust off your actual hardbound Bible. You can turn on the computer and take a break from Facebook for four minutes and read His Word. How hard is that? The second thing that we've done is we've uh, provided for you what we call Passion University. And we're talking about that because I think some of you are scared that that means you've got to be smart to show up because it's called university. No, we're all growing together. And you ought to be either watching online or here in person. We're asking for one Sunday night a month. Just one. That... that, that Listen, I don't like to give my Sunday nights up anymore. I, I, I'll, I'll just be straight up with you. I uh, attended church since I was a little boy. I worked at a church uh, for six and a half years where we had two services on Sunday morning, and then at 6 o'clock in the evening we had to go back for service. I hated it. First of all, it was anticlimactic. Everybody was exhausted. Nobody wanted to be there. I had to wear a suit. That was kind of the icing on the cake right there. Just, eh. All right, so we came back to Oklahoma City, and we decided nobody's going to do Sunday night service anymore. But I'll be faithful to go play softball. Two games every Sunday night all year last year, but I struggled to show up for one night at Passion University. Oh, y'all give me a break. Listen, we got to grow. We cannot go further if we don't grow. We can stay where we are, and then we start shrinking. And then third, the last step of our journey is that we will engage our culture. Listen, we have nothing to engage our culture with if we don't encounter God and if we're not equipped. Because all you have to give them if you haven't encountered God and you haven't become equipped is you. And I got news for you. You don't help them. Do you have the answer for drug addiction? No. Do you have the, the ability to repair a marriage? No. Do you have the ability to set somebody free from an addiction they've had since they're 14 years old? No. You have the ability to help somebody walk out of the homosexual lifestyle and make a change? No. Unless you've encountered God and you've become equipped with His Word and then suddenly something happens through you and through you as a channel, you have this un... Let me use the right term. The supernatural ability to speak life and change and walk them through the journey. That's the only way that happens. That's our promise. 
that's what we're trying to establish and, and build. So we have to, to work in that. The other thing I want you to hear me say today is part of our promise, maybe you've never heard me say this, is we, as a leadership team, we are convinced of this. We believe that this body is destined and promised to be a growing body. We believe that this body is destined and promised to be a powerful body. We don't want you walking around in weakness. We, we believe that this body is to be a grounded body. What do you mean by that? When, when you say grounded to me, it means I'm restricted for five days of my life because I misbehaved. That's the grounded I experienced growing up. That's not what we're talking about. When we say grounded, we're talking about that we're secure, that we're stable, we're not freaks, we're not chasing every flaky trend that rolls through Oklahoma City, and there are a few, by the way. We're not, we're not going to chase all those. We're grounded. We know where we're going and what we're to become, at least as far as our promise. And the last thing that I want to say to you is that we honestly believe that we're called to be influential, that we are that if we cease to exist, the community around us would, would have a vacancy there and they would fill it. And so to do that, we have to be influential. Now, I pointed you to Genesis chapter 11, verse 31 and 32, because it tells us that, see, we always think Abraham got the call first to go to the promised land, but according to Scripture, it was his daddy that got the call first. Y'all look shocked. I just read it to you. It says that God spoke to Haran, and Haran, uh, or Terah, got his family together, got Abraham, Lot, and, and Abraham's wife, and they started on the journey, right? And then I read to you that what happens is they're on their way to a journey, a thousand miles long, and, and Terah, for whatever reason, comes to Haran, and he stops there. The, the word that he used is, it, that's used, it says he settled there. Now, we view settling as a bad thing, and it can be. If, if we're not careful and we become comfortable right here where we are and we settle, then settling is a bad thing. Are y'all with me this morning? Are you, okay, okay, I just want to make sure. He stopped halfway. And I don't want to go halfway towards God's promise and stop. I just don't want to do it. I'd rather not even start the journey than to go halfway because if you go halfway, you do realize and recognize that mediocre means halfway up the mountain. And if we only go halfway to what God has for us, then we're mediocre. The best of the worst and the worst of the best. I don't want to get caught there. And so settling is a bad thing if, if we, if we come, become comfortable and stop here. I will tell you, listen to me. I want to be honest with you. Halfway is more comfortable than all the way. Because at halfway, what we can do is we can stop and we can pat ourselves on the back and we say, well, we put some, out some effort and we kind of did what God said and I feel real good about myself and I just want to stop right here and rest a while. And we, it's real easy to become comfortable and satisfied halfway. Now, halfway is not all the way, right? So we've got to go halfway because... Halfway forfeits our promise. Halfway forfeits blessings. Am I right? Okay. I just want to make sure we're clear. If we only go halfway, we forfeit so many things. We've, we've seen great things happen already, right? Have we not? We've seen, God has hand has been on our body, on our church, has been on you because you're a part of this church, because the blessings flow down. But halfway, if we don't go all the way, we forfeit some of our blessings. 
and I don't want to see that happen. Now, I believe that halfway is simply a short and necessary, hear me, and a necessary stop. But before I said necessary, what word did I say? Short. Okay, you got to have the two. All right, it's a short but necessary way stop on our way to the journey. And here's why. I'm going to tell you two reasons why I think halfway, which is where I believe we are, by the way, is necessary but short. The first reason is this. It's at the halfway point that some things die. <laughs> uh, Tara dies halfway. In order for us to get to our promise, this halfway point is important because there are some things that have to die off of us before we can go all the way. For instance, our way has to die. Traditions that we are bound to that are not from God, they're from our past, have to die. Our agendas have to die. Our past has to die. Our fear has to die. Our doubt has to die. In order for us to get to where God wants us to go, he brings us halfway and we pause long enough for that stuff to die out in our life. Otherwise, we won't have the faith to go on. And then, we don't like this one, but it's true. At halfway, there are even people that have to, I'm going to use the word die, but not literally die, pass away, but fall away. We don't like to talk about that because those of you that have the spirit of compassion and love, you just want everybody to love you all the time, and they always want to be a part of us, and they always like us, and they always want to go where we're going. But I got news for you. The Bible talks about a pruning. He said like this, we're pruned if we do and pruned if we don't. God is going to remove. <coughs> there, there is coming. We are, I, with the leaders, I've told some of them in private conversations, I believe we're in a pruning process right now. Because there are some people that can get you halfway that can't get, go all the way. And at the moment that they haven't made up their mind, that they're willing to make the sacrifice and that they're willing to pay the hard price because it's hard to go all the way and it costs you something. If you're not willing to do that at that moment, if you sit down and refuse to go further, then at that moment you're not with us, you're fighting us. And at that moment you're not with us, you become an obstacle and a barrier to keep us from going all the way because you will begin to pull other people down with you. And so there will, I wish I could tell you that everybody that walked in these front doors and spent more than two weeks with us were going to be here the rest of their life. But the truth is that's not true. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? But I would rather God send us the folks that are assigned here. I'm going to get back to that word because I still don't think we understand it. There are folks that have walked out of here that were assigned here. And now they're floundering and they're wandering. Well, that didn't get squat in response. That's all right. I still know I'm telling the truth. You don't have to like it. It's just the truth. Because we treat God's house like a buffet and it's not. We don't get to pick. He assigns us. And so... I believe there are folks that are not here that should be here, and then they're, the vice versa could be true. I don't know. You've got to pray this out. You've got to discover, is this your assigned house? Because if it's not, then you can't go all the way. And I'm calling this to go all the way because I don't want to stay here. The second reason that 
I believe that the halfway place is important, deals with the second thing that I want to talk to you about this morning, because the halfway stop is short but necessary because it deals with preparation. It's at the halfway point that we prepare ourselves to go all the way. Are you all awake? Stay awake with me, okay, because we're getting it, we're going somewhere with this. We must prepare. I want to go back, I want you to go back and notice something. When Abraham follows his father halfway, the Bible says that Terah lived to 205 years old. I don't know how old he was when they began the journey. All I know is that Abraham went with him, stayed at Haran for at least a period of time. And then I want you to notice they stop, they settle there. But Abraham keeps focused on his ultimate destination. And then something interesting is said in, in uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, I read it to you. It says, so Abraham left as the Lord had told him, and Lot with, went, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from him. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated. And all the people they had acquired where? In Haran. So halfway to the promise, only 500 miles into a 1,000-mile journey, they stopped for a period of time, and in that place, Abraham prepares. I think growing up, I thought that Abraham was a rich man when he left at the beginning of his journey, and he may have been, I don't know. But all I know is that the Bible says here that it's at the halfway point that he accumulates a ton of possessions and a lot of folks to go on the journey with him. So halfway, he leaves and he takes all the possessions that they'd accumulated. He didn't relax while they were halfway. He didn't grow stagnant while they were halfway. He didn't get comfortable when he was halfway. He rolled up his sleeves and he went to work and he prepared. And when he left the halfway point, guess how he left? Provisioned. Prepared. And so our problem is, is that too many times what we do is we put it all on God. Well, God, if you've given us this promise, you made this promise, we're just going to sit here and wait. While we wait it out, you just send us all the provisions and all the preparations we need. Send us all the people we know need, need in, our, in our journey here. You just do all the work, and then when, it, when we get enough, then we'll move forward. No, Abraham proves to us that what we have to do is we have to prepare. Our destiny and our ability to reach our promise as a body is determined by our willingness and our faithfulness to prepare now. Hear me this morning. It is our preparation that qualifies us to possess our promise. We are tomorrow what we prepare to be today. I, anybody ever heard of Royal Rangers? Uh, this is this will blow your mind. I, I was a Royal Ranger commander for a while. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Or the khakis and the whole deal. <laughs> I, can, I, can prove, I can prove it. I think, I, well, up until about two years ago, I still had my little uniform. I just couldn't get into it anymore. Still hanging up in my closet. I can still tie a mean bowling knot, by the way. Uh, you know what they taught us in Royal Rangers? That if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. 
And I would say this, if we fail to prepare, we prepare to fail. We can't wait until we get there and then get ready. And so what that means, because I've learned something, I've learned that God inhabits, only inhabits, prepared places. And so let me say some things to you about the preparing time. Number one, I understand that normally the preparation time is boring. I understand that preparation time is typically very unglamorous. It's, there's not, nothing glamorous about preparing. I, I understand that preparation is not always fun. But I also understand that if we don't prepare now, we will never walk into our promise. And so there are three areas that I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about our service, our giving, service, worship, and giving. Because I am convinced of this. God will not waste a promise on people who will not handle that promise with preparation. I've got a question for you before I talk about those three. How many of you think that there are other churches in our community that started out with a promise and a vision and a destiny similar to ours? Probably all of them. At some point in their history, somebody stood up and said, we're going to go take the city. We're going to have influence in the city. We're going to be a powerful church. We're gonna... All this stuff, right? What happened? You know what I think happened? I think we sat down and say, okay, God, make it happen. Or, okay, pastor, make it happen. It doesn't work that way. It comes from every one of us doing our job, rolling up our sleeves, and working. So three areas. The number one is this. We must prepare now in our service. We have to develop a culture of service rather than a a culture of consumerism. You've got to change your mindset about why you come to be a part of this body. It's not what you can get out of it. It's what you can give. Now, listen, I want to give you this caveat because I I want to say to you this morning that now is not, we are in the preparation time. Now is not the time to sit down and soak. With this caveat now, I've already told you this. If you need time to heal... You came in here hurt, you came in here destroyed, you came in here abused, then you have my permission to sit and heal and get strong and recover. But some of you have been healed a long time. And in the healing process somewhere, you just got lazy. Boy, I'm being mean and I'm not even preaching. I'm just telling you the truth. We get in this this pattern of, while I'm healing, I'm healing, I'm healing. Yeah, but how long do you need to heal? At some point, there comes this moment where you have to get up off your rear and make this about what it's really about, which is it's not about me. It's about what God has done through me. Now I am looking for opportunities to bless others. So we need all hands on deck. Our service 
must rise now to a level of excellence. We cannot wait until we get to the promised land and then go, now we gotta, we got to shore everything up. we got to do it better than we've ever done it. No, we will never get there if we don't do our very best now. And so what we've got to do is we got to find your sweet spot and get busy. Get busy and do it with excellence. I, I'm calling. I've already done this. I've already talked to all of our team leaders and called them to a new level of excellence. Our prayer ministry has to go to a new level of excellence. Our nursery has to go to a new level of excellence. Our tech team has to go to a new level of excellence. Our worship team has to raise the level of excellence. Our greeter team has to come up higher. Our ushers have to do a better job ushering. Our preacher has to do a better job preaching. Oh, that was that's me, isn't it? Yeah, I'm on this journey too. If I expect y'all to get better, I got to get better. Why do you attend this church? You need to answer that question. In fact, that's your homework today. Go home and ask yourself this question. Why do I go to that church? Because my friends go there? Then it's a click. And you can go to a bar and get a click. Well, I go there because of social status. Well, then this is nothing more than the Lions Club. Well, I go there because they serve what I like, and it's a buffet. In fact, I want to encourage you, how you ought to pick your church is the, you ought to go somewhere they make you uncomfortable. Because we will never grow if we're always comfortable. We only change. You know when we start going on a diet? When we're uncomfortable with our weight. We don't diet ahead of time. I don't start working out until I start becoming uncomfortable with that fact that I can't run from home plate to first base without hurting myself anymore. Why do you come to this church? You've got to answer that question. We've got to get our motives right so that we can serve and so that we can gather other folks to join us on this journey. The second area of, of preparation is we've got to prepare our worship. Hear me this morning. We've got to learn to worship during the preparation time or when we get to the promised land, we're faking it. Because it's easy to worship in the promised land because everything will be great. It's harder to worship in the preparation time. But if we could ever learn to come in here during the preparation time when we're not sure if we see anything happening and we don't see the number of souls saved we thought we were going to see and we don't see everything we thought was going to happen in our services, if you would come and worship your guts out during that time? How many of you know we'll get to the promised land quicker? And so I am calling you to come and worship, really worship now. Now. Our worship, hear this statement. I wrote this statement down and I believe this is true. Our worship must transcend where we are to where we will be. I want you to worship now as if we were in the promised land, although we're not there. So that when we get there, our worship will be real. Because I've been to a bunch of churches that once they got to the promised land, it wasn't real. They were just putting on a show for somebody. I don't want to be a part of that. I want our worship to be real. 
The third area is in our giving. All right, let your sphincter muscle loosen up right here because I know some of you just went, <gasps> he's going to talk about our giving. Y'all would rather I preach. Let me stand up during this part because y'all can, y'all can ignore me. Y'all learn to ignore me while I preach. So I, if I stand up here, y'all, no, I'm going to sit down and talk to you about giving real quick. Or kind of slow. And hear me. It's in the preparation time that we got to give. Our level of giving has to go up. We can't wait and find our promised land and then try to gather provision. And here's why. If we're not ready to walk through the door when the door opens, the door will close. And so we have to prepare now. What I noticed about Abraham's journey is that Abraham's promise motivated, motivated him to take action. I noticed that his promise motivated him to make movement and it even made him, caused him to make sacrifice. And what I am saying to you this morning is that our promise, this place that we're headed to, has to motivate us to do the same. We have to come to this place where we're willing to work for it, where we're willing to move towards it, and we're willing to make sacrifice. More requires more. There's no other recipe. If you want more, then you got to do more. And so that's where I'm calling to you to. If there is no sacrifice on, along the way, then when we get to our promised land, we will take it for granted. I want you to know right now, with no doubt in your mind, I do not take this building for granted. Uh, you can leave your water bottle sitting on the floor if you want to, and you can spill your coffee and never think about it. But my hind end was in here stripping the carpet out of here and polishing floors and laying tile and paint walls. And so I don't take this building for granted because I sacrificed. If you don't believe that, go check my checkbook for how many times I had to pay the chiropractor about halfway through our tiling job. Okay? Listen, that's what happens. When you sacrifice along the way, it makes you appreciate what God has done and is doing. Okay? So I am calling you this morning to a place of sacrifice. If we want to get to where God is calling us to, we got to be willing to make sacrifice now. I can't walk in here three years from now and say, God is moving us into our promise and we haven't given anything. And we go, well, we can't get there because we can't afford it. Won't work. All right, so here's, I'm, I'm going to get real practical with you. I am calling you this morning to a one-year journey of faith. One-year journey of faith. I'm asking you to come to this place where you're willing to live by faith. This is how it's going to work. Um, ushers, I need your help. Back there on the sound booth, there are these little cards. Everybody needs one of these cards. What if you get them out quickly because I want to go on and, and move. On this card, uh, which I think looks pretty cool, by the way. That's just me. But um, neither here nor there. It could be ugly. It would still serve the same process, pro purpose, but I think it's pretty cool. On this card, <clears throat> there is a... Uh, perfed section at the bottom on the front there's this thing that says my pledge my this is my commitment card what we're asking you to do is join us for one year beginning on may the 16th that gives you two or three weeks and i'll explain why here in a second 
we're asking you to make a faith commitment. And I want to explain how that works. What we are doing is we are beginning to lay up provisions for where God is going to take us. By the way, I've already presented these to the leadership team. I'm still waiting to hear from two of my leaders. But so far, we already have $10,400 pledged, which I think is incredible. I think it shows where their heart is. But I'm asking you to join us for one year and make a faith commitment. Now, let me explain how this works. On May the 16th, I'm going to ask you to bring these back and turn them in. That gives you about two weeks to go and pray because I don't want you just to write a number down arbitrarily. I want you to sincerely pray because here's the prayer. Here's how the faith commitment works. You pray and you say, God, what should I give? And if you write down a number that you can give on your own, you didn't hear from God. Because we're asking you to stretch and live by faith. And here's how it works. You write the number down, and it's on God to bring the provision. And so if you write one of you, which I'll pick you out here in a minute, and you write $100,000 down there. Y'all didn't catch that at all. I know you're already freaking out over the amounts. No, seriously, if God says, you know what? During the course of this year, I want you to give $5,000. And you go, there is no way I can give $5,000. Then you probably heard from God. If you wrote down, okay, my pledge is I'm going to give $5 every three months. And you've got four grand in the bank, then you didn't hear from God. Because you can do that on your own. You don't need any faith for that. I'm asking you to live by faith. Here's the beautiful thing about this. $5 for one of you may be faith. And it may not be for the other person. Here's the whole caveat. Beautiful thing about faith pledge. If God doesn't bring the money, you're off the hook. I love that. It means if you pledge $1,000 and you're going, I don't know where in the world I can get $1,000 and God doesn't provide it in the course of this year, I'm not going to come and find you at your house and lock you up in a room and just say, come on, give me the money. Come on, where's the money, money? No, you're off the hook. Because God has to provide this. Hear, hear me, you've got to understand this. There's two elements. One, this is not your tithe. If you have to choose between doing this and paying your tithe, pay your tithe. Because this will not ensure a blessing, your tithe will. Good teaching right there. Pay your tithes. And then ask God, on what on top of that do you want me to give? Here's the second part of that, is that you have to be honest. Because once you, I know I've done this before. I'm confessions of a guilty pastor right here. You write down your faith pledge, and I'll, like if I wrote down $5,000, and, and then all of a sudden somehow supernaturally God provides it, well, there's that new boat I've been wanting. I, can you believe that God has blessed me with a boat? And I go out, and, that's not being honest. If you're asking God to provide this amount, when he brings it, you have to put it towards what he brought it for. And if you don't, Oh, y'all don't want to know about it if you don't, so I'm just going to go on. Because you'll be cursed. There you go. I gave it to you in short form. Here's what we commit to you. We're not going to bug you about this. On May the 16th, we're asking you to bring this back. We're going to tell you what the total pledge was over the course of this year. And then about once a month, in one of our offerings, we will highlight it. We'll just say, hey, today's the Sunday. We're asking you to give your faith commitment offering, if you will. If you can't give it on that Sunday, don't. Bring it on another Sunday. Well, periodically, we're going to put some banners up out front just to help you remember. 
It'll be on our website, yada, yada, yada. But we're not going to harp on it because I believe you're faithful people and you're going to do what God's called you to do. But the other part of that is I want to hear your stories because I think what we're getting ready to walk into is one of the most supernaturally blessed times of our life. And some of you are going to start seeing provision come out of nowhere and I want to hear your stories. Okay? Now, the reason that is important is because, and i got to hurry, when, when the door opens, we have to be willing to walk through. So the next question that has to be asked is where are we going? Where are we going? Where is our place? Let me tell you, we're moving to Norman. And the reason is, is I've, I, one of our core values is I've wanted everybody to have the experience of rooting for a real football team <laughs> at least once in their life. I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. I knew I was going to get, y'all, some of you freaked out. You, ought to, you were like, I'm out of here. That, I'm gone. Yeah, gas money becomes your pledge. No, I'm playing with you. I'm playing with you. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get to that. I've been waiting all day to get to that. <laughs> no, let me be honest with you. The truth is I feel a lot like Abraham. Imagine in your mind, if you will, if you go get a U-Haul truck, you back it up to your house, you unload all of your possessions into that U-Haul truck, you call the gas company, the electric company, the phone company, get everything turned off, you load your family and your kids in the vehicle, and you just start driving to God knows where. That's where we are. This is what I do know. We can't stay here. We can't do it. We can if we always want to stay this size. But we cannot stay here long. Let me tell you why. Uh, Danny Ray, who spoke last Sunday, called me Monday morning. And I could hear his emotion on the phone. He said this to me. He said, I just wanted to call. I wrote it down just as he said. He said, I just wanted to call you and tell you that the train has left the station. The move has started. Now you just have to discern where it's going and get on board. We don't know where we're going. There are some things we do know. I believe that it was the favor and the provision of God that we're in this building. If you don't know our history, you come and talk to me, and I'll tell you this is a miracle. But what is a blessing can become a curse. And we're there. Because of the limited size of this building, because of the uh, parking, and certainly because of the appearance on the outside, this building is starting to affect us. Um, Just a little information you may not be aware of or may not even care about, but let me just give it to you anyway. Did you know that you can only fill a a building to 70% of its capacity? Because we like our space. We have a hundred. Well, y'all look at the Scammerhorn family over here, all set nice and cuddled up. That's not normal. <laughs> they really love one another. Look at my mom and my sister. There's a seat between them. <laughs> I'm having fun this morning. I don't care. That's just... As Americans, because we are expanding, y'all get that one later too. See, it used to, no, seriously, it used to be 80%. You could fill a building to 80% of its capacity. Over the last two or three years, they've reduced it to 70% because we're expanding and we want our space. Okay, that doesn't even take into consideration the size of our lobby. 
So if you walk into this room right here, we have 185 chairs. Do the math. I did it. I'm not fast enough to do it in my head, so I went and did it. 70% is 129. Our average last year on a Sunday was 194. On Easter, we had 200, we had 303 total. We had 258 people physically in this building. Can I tell you that it was sardine Sunday? It was tight. And people won't come back to that. I think Mark said it right. Mark said he feels like sometimes on some Sundays he's worshiping in a cave. I don't think it has anything to do with the black ceilings. I think it has everything to do with the size. And so I believe that we've got to make a move. We have to find our place. Now, let me tell you, I believe that our promise says this, that we are to have an influence and an impact in this community. That's important because I believe we're called to, to remain positioned on this major thoroughfare. Now, by saying that, I hope instantly inside of you registers the fact that we need a divine intervention of God. Think about that a moment. I just said I felt like God wants us to stay on this major thoroughfare. By the way, we've already been looking, and that limits substantially where we can go. There is no land on this major thoroughfare in this area. And there are very few buildings. And the ones that are there, people like them a lot. They're proud of them. And so what I am calling you to is this. We got to not only worship and we've got to not only serve and we've got to give now. We must also pray. We have got to ramp up the prayer, y'all. Let me give you some things to pray about. I need you to start bombarding heaven about this church Monday through Saturday and not just on Sunday. Some of you pray about this church on Sunday, but you don't bother to pray the rest of the week. I got to have you, I got to have all of you praying your guts out for our church. Here's what we need you to pray. We need you to pray for supernatural favor. We need you to pray for discernment so we'll know where to go and when to go. We need you to pray for wisdom. I need you to pray for connections. Divine connections where people will look at us and say, hey, I want to get to know you and I would love for you to be in my building. And I need you to pray for entry into unexpected places. And then I want you to pray for protection for our leadership. And then I want to get really personal with you this morning and I want you to pray for me. And the reason is, is I am very aware, because I'm a man, I don't glow in the dark, that if I'm not careful, I will wrap my ego up in what we accomplish, and I'll push for us to accomplish something to prove my manhood, and to get my name in the IPHC experience. That's our magazine, so get my name up in the, in, the, in the spotlights and get my name on the, you say, you wouldn't do that, Pastor Steve. Why wouldn't I? There have been a multitude of preachers that have because we're human. I don't want to do that. I do not. That's not worth it to me. Listen, I am committed to establishing a name for him.
And so I need you to pray that my ego will stay in check. And that at the moment my ego gets out of whack, we stop. But that's where we are as a body. We have a promise. We have no clue where we're going. But to get there, we have to do the preparation work now. I need you to start coming to this church to serve. If you're not involved in one of our teams, get there. Some of you got calluses from sitting too long. It's time to get involved. I need you to worship. No more Sundays where the worship team has to crank you up. You ought to come in here busting, ready to worship, going nuts. Whatever your worship style is, you ought to be doing it to the best of your ability because our, our worship prepares us to get to where we're going. And then finally, you've got to put your money where your faith is. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just going to be blunt with you. Right now, we even if the door opened tomorrow, we couldn't go. We can keep the lights on and keep this air conditioning cranking. But we can't get to where we're supposed to go based on our present level of giving. So I'm asking you for two weeks to pray and say, God, what is a faith step? For me, Father, I pray that uh, you would take what we've talked about today. I understand this is totally different. But this is where we are. We're halfway. And Father, I know this. You've given us a great promise. And I believe you've given us a great destiny. And that we are called to live up to those things. But I'm also aware that there have been other churches around us that have been in this place too. And I'm asking you to enable us to go all the way. We recognize this morning that it's going to cost us that sacrifice is involved. I pray that we would sacrifice by serving. I pray that we would sacrifice in our worship. And I pray that we would sacrifice in our giving. I pray that this body will ramp up prayer. God, we pray for divine connections. I pray for divine entry. I pray for a divine intervention. We need you to work on our behalf. We cannot do this on our own. It's going to take you. Even with all of our giving, we can never do this without you. And so we need you. I pray that you'd move our people to join us in this journey. And I pray that you would speak to them very clearly about what they should give. And then I pray that we would be mindful of the miracles that you bring to us as we walk on this journey together. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.